My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Jody Mayberry. He helps former executives build their business when their corporate career is over. He's also the host of a number of different podcasts. Welcome to the show, Jody. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Basha. It's great to be here. And that, you know, that's a good way to put it. Just the host of a number of different podcasts, because if you had to list them all, it'd, it'd just be too long. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure for anybody who's listened to my previous episodes, if it's two or less, I'll mention the names. <laughs> if it's more than two, I'm just, it's a host of a number of different podcasts, and we'll go into it later on in the episode. Anyway, it's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcasts, your challenges, and your goals. Before we get started, do you want to jump into your story a little bit? Talk about, you know, where you started and where you are now. Well, it, it is it is not a straight path at all. I, I actually started out as a financial analyst at a commercial bank. So I moved from Illinois to Washington State, ended up with a job that was exactly what I went to college for. And within a few years, I said, it's, it, this is just isn't for me. And I went back to school to become a park ranger. So I did that for a number of years and then went back to school. And being a park ranger is as wonderful as you imagine it would be, unless you don't like the outdoors. And then it's probably just a terrible job. But I personally loved it. Then I went back to school to get an MBA. And when I finished that, I wanted a connection back to parks that wasn't being a park ranger and they don't really like it if you just show up and act like a park ranger when you're not one so i started my first podcast called the park leader show which is about leadership in the field of parks and conservation and that's what started it all basha once once i started a podcast it just steamrolled from there that one led into creating disney magic and then several other shows. So Creating Disney Magic is a show I still do. We're closing in on 450 episodes now with Lee Cockrell, who is the retired executive vice president of Walt Disney World. So I'm I'm sure that'll play a lot into the story, but that's how it all happened. Just uh, I started a, a podcast to stay connected and relevant in the world of parks and everything else in my business just sprung from that. Very interesting. So you went from being a park ranger to going and being a podcaster. Why, why podcasting specifically? So I, after getting MBA, I, I had these ideas on how, gosh, I want to talk leadership in parks and I want to be connected back to parks because I love parks as much as I did my first day as a park ranger. I just didn't want to go back and be a park ranger. And so I was, I was trying to find a way to be active. I, I thought, well, maybe I can write a blog and do articles, but I listened to a podcast that still going called starve the doubts hosted by Jared Easley. And we ended up becoming friends. And I suggested to Jared that he have a guest on his show uh, someone in particular. And he said, sure, I'll have James as a guest, 
but you have to be my co-host. And, hmm. and I did it. And the first time I was just terrible as a co-host, but he asked me back. And after doing it a couple times, I realized this is, this is what I was looking for. This is a way for me to have conversations with people in parks and then let people all across the country listen to it. So that, that was back in, I actually recorded the first episodes in 2013, but then for silly reasons i held on to them and didn't release them until april of 2014 because i didn't like the sound of my voice and i didn't think i did well on the interviews and all of that so i finally got over myself and then released those episodes in 2014 in april and it's just been amazing because since then if we just look at that show and not not the rest yet I've had people tell me I became a park ranger because I listened to the show. I got a promotion because I listened to the show. Uh, people have been introduced to new park systems. Maybe they went and interviewed there. I mean, so much feedback has come from that show. And it almost didn't happen because I was selfish and didn't like the way I sounded and wasn't going to release it. Just silly. But that that's why a podcast in particular was Jared Easley and Starve the Doubts. And once I co-hosted some episodes of that show with him i just realized this is this is the avenue it needs to be to to be connected into the parks that is very interesting i never would have thought that there's a podcast dedicated to park rangers yeah that's right and if you can have a podcast for park rangers there can be a podcast for anything i think it just shows that if you if you narrow down and you're fine with, because the audience for that show is not big, but it's loyal. They've been with me for years. I mean, if I go to park conferences, I can go to parks. People know the park leader show, the average person, probably not because they're not the audience for it. But until just this month, a new show launched for park rangers. I helped them launch the show, but that from 2014 until now has been the only show out there for park rangers. So hmm. that that's always some uh, a good bit I tell people is look whatever it is you're interested in it doesn't matter how quirky how niche it is there are other people that are interested in it and they're looking for you to be out there talking about it. Absolutely. I mean you you found your very special little slide and you've been building off of it since then. What I would love to know is what skills or qualities did you develop as a park ranger that still help you in business to this day? If any, I mean, I'm sure there's got to yeah. be something. <laughs> when, so when I first, when I first started my own business, I thought I, I shouldn't tell people I was a park ranger because it's not relevant. I should focus on that. I have an MBA that I was a financial analyst, all of that. And really, nobody cares. There's a lot of MBAs out there, but very few people in the business world know someone who was a park ranger. So mm -hmm. I ended up eventually embracing that. And there's so much that's relevant. Number one is storytelling. Park rangers are great storytellers. They're great at interpretation, which is a different way of, of telling a story, which comes in handy in podcasting, when when you're on stage, when you're even writing a blog post, interpretation really matters. The interaction with people. I was a law enforcement park ranger. And so you, you pick up a lot of different 
skills that way. Cause sure you have the power and the authority to make things happen because people have to tell you what to do, but instead you would rather they do, do what you want them to do through influence and persuasion. Well, that's, that's certainly come in handy. And then a park itself is a business. Like we've got visitors we have to serve. We want people to mm-hmm. use the, the trails and stay at the campground and, and go to the gift shop, all of that. It, it all is like a business and every park has trees and trails, but what gets people to come back that, that matters in business. And, and I found over the years that it's, it's, the service that you give it's the staff that you have and it's the stories that you tell and that uh, that applies to business as well and i could keep going on because there's so much and and it's really interesting that i used to believe it wasn't relevant my park ranger background wasn't relevant at all but now Mm. that I, i i embraced it it i find i can pull so many lessons from it and people usually are intrigued because there's not that many, most people, most park rangers are in parks telling stories. They're not on podcasts and they're not on stage and they're not working with businesses telling stories. So it actually worked in, in very much in my favor. And, and I'm, I'm just really pleased that I, I had eight years to be a park ranger. Cause like I said before, I love parks as much as I did back then. And I'm glad I got my stint as a ranger. That's awesome. I love it. And I was going to say something and I totally lost my train of, oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) A little brain fog on this nice Tuesday afternoon, but um, I'm a firm believer in the fact that all of the experiences that you've had in the past build you to who you are today without that experience as a park ranger. I don't, you wouldn't have had the idea to go and be a podcaster and go and help out park rangers or go and, you know, that's your specific niche. I'm truly believe that this is that was the path that you were meant to take and i think that you should 1000% own it and talk about it and advertise it yeah that's right and it it worked in my favor and it ended up leading to the next thing because through the park leader show i wanted to find some i wanted to talk about what parks could learn from disney because quite often and most businesses are this way when we had a problem in parks we just looked amongst parks to try to figure out what to do but you but often the best answer is somewhere else mm-hmm. and so i thought well disney it's different type of parks it's themed parks and not natural parks but what can we learn from them and how they do things so i wanted to talk to someone from disney but as a park ranger i didn't have disney connections but i found the book creating magic written by lee cockrell I thought there, there's no way the executive vice president of Walt Disney world is going to come on a show and talk to park rangers. But I thought I'll let Lee say no for himself. I'm not going to just assume he'll say no. I sent him an email having no idea. His sister-in-law was a park ranger for 30 years. So when I asked him to come on the show, he said, Oh, I love park rangers. So he came on the show and we talked about his first book, creating magic. It went really well. He came back and we talked about his second book, The Customer Rules. And then just through that, that led us to decide to start a podcast together. So in 2014, we started creating Disney Magic. And and once you work with someone like Lee Cockrell with just the great reputation that he has, 
other people start reaching out to you saying, can you help me the way you help Lee? But with Lee Cockrell, it's, it, it led to doing live events. It led to doing courses. It led to writing books. It led to, uh, we we co-founded the Cockrell Academy together, which is courses on leadership management, culture, customer service. We do a monthly newsletter. And, and then I ended up helping other executives do what comes after their corporate career. And it all came from just this random reach out asking him to be a guest on, on the show. So you're right. It all stacks on each other because I wouldn't have started the podcast had I not been a park ranger. If I hadn't started the podcast, I wouldn't have reached out to Lee. Then I wouldn't have helped him with creating Disney magic and everything that that came from that. So it's just been com- completely unexpected. I, I couldn't have scripted it out that way, but that's how it happened. Definitely not. But I love watching the kinds of stepping stones that life throws people. You know, who would have thought you go from being a from being a park ranger to going and helping executives after they leave their corporate life? Yeah, that's right. That's not, that's just not something as a park ranger, you would think when I'm done here, that's what I'm going to do. But here we are. I would love to touch a little bit more on what exactly you do for these executives. What does your, I guess, coaching or training look like? Well, so, so let's say you, you've had a wonderful 30 year career at a company like Disney, for example, and now that you're done, what what do you do? You've got 30 years of experience. And, and now what? Like, you know, okay, I want to speak. I want to maybe consult. But where, where do I go? What do I do? And, and I just help narrow it. So you've got this huge base of experience that spans over 30 years, but you can't get on stage and talk about a 30 year career. Not exactly. You have to start narrowing it down and you have to figure out what stories to tell and figure out what lessons to pull and, and just understand what your pillars of content are that you're going to teach people. Mm -hmm. So that's what, that's one of the things I help with. If you just come out of the corporate world fresh and you don't even know where to begin, but you have great experience, all this knowledge, all this wisdom, and you want to pass it on, you want to build a legacy by helping people and other companies, then we can, we just start from scratch and we, and we just build it from there. I, and this is, I know this is kind of an ob, ob, obscure and odd reference, but I was thinking about this the other day, how I read, I read a book, saw a movie. There's a movie called enemies at the gate, which is about Russia. One one specific sniper in Russia during world war II. Well, that came from a book called enemies at the gate, but the, the character Vasily Zaitsev is only mentioned for like a page in the whole book. So the book, comes from one thing very specific in the war. So there's the war led to the book. And then the book came just, they pulled out one page and made a movie out of it. That's kind of like I do like the, there's the 30 year career. Okay. We need to narrow some of that down. And now that we've narrowed that down, let's pull out the content to find the right story to tell. This is kind of an example, although a little bit of an awkward one. I I understand the analogy though. You know, you take you've got this person's whole entire book and you're picking out the best thing that they can do as and do that as their next step. 
in their yeah. life. So I think it's it, right. it, it completely makes sense. You turn that one page into the, their movie. That is yes, there you their go. post-corporate career. I, I completely get it. It's a good analogy. So with what you do, what are some of the biggest challenges that you experience? Well, my my biggest challenge always is, is the the t- time time to uh, just do everything. But it it comes from it. I overcome it by just getting the right people around me to understand what we need to do. And if I'm not the one to do it, who can do it? Is there someone better than me that can do it? And even sometimes even if I'm better at doing it than the other person, if they can do it 80% as well, it probably still makes sense for them to do it because there are things that only I can do. Like only I can be the voice on podcasts. If I'm the host, only I can do some of these other things. So that's what I look for that. It's there's always the challenge of I don't have enough time. So where do I put my time? And then how do I, fill in the rest with help from other people and now help from, I mean, there's some, some wonderful, I know AI is all the rave right now. Everyone's talking about Mm. it, but if you find the right tools that can, that can be helpful as well Is are there new tools out there that can help you get more done? So that is just always my challenge, but it wasn't, I mean, there were times I had more time than, anything else. And that's, that's its own challenge. And, and how do you use the time the right way? And, and for me, it was building for what would come next. Like, all right, I don't, I don't have enough clients or customers to fill my day. So what do I do with it? And, and it was just building a business in a way that I could then once it got bigger, everything was in place. For example, processes, procedures, guidelines that once I was no longer doing the work, I could pass it on to someone else. Absolutely. What do you wish that you knew back when you first started that you know now? I, I think a a couple of things during the tough days, I wish I would have known it'll be all right. Just, just stick with it. Cause when things aren't going well in the beginning, it's, it's hard to realize, Oh, it's going to be okay. Things usually turn out. Okay. And, and it just takes time and pressure. That's, that's what built the grand Canyon time and pressure. And if you give things time and you don't let up on pressure, it, it works out. So I I wish I would have known that. I I think it would have, I wish I would have known to start sooner. Although like the podcast and I held on to it for months because I thought, Oh, my voice doesn't sound good, which now I, I I don't want this to be weird, but I really like my voice. It's unique and it sets me apart. But back then I thought it's different. So that must mean it's not good. I wish someone, I wish, well, no one needed to tell me. I just needed to know that, that being unique is better. And, and I just think of that so much uh, of our early years, we try so hard to fit in, but later fitting in is, is like a, not a good thing. You want to stand out. So we mm-hmm. spend so much time trying to fit in when what really works is standing out. So th- those are some of the things I wish I would have known before. 
I mean, if I'm being honest, you know, even if it hadn't been your voice when you first started, most podcasters, when they first start off, find something that's wrong with them, find something wrong with how they talk, with their podcast, with what they talk about, with their equipment, with their, you'll be surprised how many issues first time podcasters can point out when they're getting started. That's right. But the. The great thing is no one's listening when you first start. It's a great time <laughs> That's to true. practice. That's true. Plus, I think it's it's really motivating to look back at your first few episodes and be like, wow, I came a really long way. Can't wait to see where I'm going to be a year from now. And it's it's encouraging to keep going once you've already started. The point is to just start. Yeah, that's right. And I'm even better now than I was a year ago, not even going all the way back to when I started. And, and you just you just have to keep rolling. And Someone just this morning, someone who has started a podcast and they're like 20 episodes in and they're like, oh, it's going well, but you make it seem so easy. You're so much better. And I'm like, look, I've got more than 1700 episodes under my belt. You can't compare 20 episodes to 1700. It's just it's just not the same thing. You're probably better than I was 20 episodes in. So Compare the 20 episode Jody to what you're doing, not the 1700 episode Jody to what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We are slowly running out of time here. So I would love to cover all of your podcasts. Let's, let's go through them. What was the intention behind starting each one? What kinds of things do you talk about on all of them? All right. So, so the park leader show was for leadership and parks and conservation. We talked a bit about that one that led to creating Disney magic. That's about leadership, management, customer service with some pretty, pretty heavily leans on Disney stories because of Lee Cockrell. Uh, And then there were some other shows that came up that are no longer active, but Mm -hmm. some other ones that are active is catalyst. So I'm going to mention two that I no longer actively host, but they're still there. Find my catalyst and come rain or shine. Those are shows that I started with somebody and then they ended up getting good enough at podcasting. They took it over, which is wonderful. I still produce those shows and I will make appearances from time to time, but they, they run, they do them themselves. There's the Jody Mayberry show cleverly titled that one. I started because I had gotten so well known as being like Lee Cockrell's sidekick or, hosting shows for other people, I thought, okay, I need to do my own show and name it after myself. So it will be about me. So I'm not just seen as a sidekick, but it also allowed me to talk about what it's like doing business with all the people I get to do business with. So that that's a fun one. Uh, what else do we have? Well, one great show that we had a hundred episode run on was if Disney ran your life with Jeff Noel, he was a Disney institute speaker but that one we we finished our hundred and moved on uh world at work that's that's a fairly newer one that i do with tim dick and it's about it actually has two sides and one is from a job seeker's point of view and those are hosted by cassie tucker and then the other is from uh, organization's point of view that's looking to b- hire people and build a culture. And those are hosted by me. So it's, it's kind of fun. We took two different approaches to it. And I, I know I'm forgetting a show or two, but <laughs> just off the top of my head, those are some run throughs. And, and so 
I sometimes, and I, I do have a new show coming within a couple of months, but I, I, I can't mention that one yet. Cause we actually haven't picked the name, but that there's a new one coming with a, another Disney executive. That's going to be a lot of fun. And that, that's it. So usually people will partner with me because I'm good at this sort of thing and I'm good at getting the stories out. And then sometimes like with Dan Cockrell and come rain or shine, then after a while, Dan took over his own show. And then I make an appearance once every month or two. And, and it, it's, it's great. But each of those shows launch for their own reason. But over the years I've done, like a, a show for pharmacists, a show for real estate agents, a show for travel writing. I mean, I've done a, a wide variety by now. Interesting. Very interesting. So you're, you're huge on podcasts. <laughs> oh yeah. My whole business has been built on podcasts. I'm, I'm a big advocate for podcasts. It's my, of all the things there is to do. That's, that's one of my favorites. It's, it's not the, the, the biggest thing I do, but it's perhaps the most fun and it's the, it just has built everything else. So big fan, big advocate of podcasts. Absolutely. You and me both. So, but I would love to know as somebody who has been podcasting for, we'll call it a decade. Okay. Even though technically those first few months you put it up, but you still recorded the episode. So for you've been podcasting for about a decade, you have started so many different shows that have already lost count. <laughs> what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced when it comes to growing your podcast and that you still currently face as well? Well, the, the ones I, I have faced are that, so there's a different, it's, it, I'll use the park leader show as an example, because I started that show with, with no following. No one knew who I was. I didn't have an email list and I put out a podcast for people that weren't looking for one. And that is a, that is something I've faced with other shows. Only I probably had a little more name recognition along the way. And that, that is a little more difficult to start a show when you're going completely from scratch and feel, go for a while. Maybe you went through this, you go for a while feeling like, okay, I'm showing up every week. I've made it past the hump because most people don't even make it to episode 10. I've made it past the hump and people I I'm still not, don't feel like I'm getting my message out to people. And there are times you could have a show going for six, seven months and still feel that way. And, and to that, that's the challenge to still be willing to show up every day and create something special when you have, when you feel like, gosh, there's, I thought I would have a bigger audience by now, but I think if it's, if you would do it for, and I'm going to make numbers up. If you would do it for a thousand people, do it for 10 people. Because if, if you had a hundred people, let's say you only have a, you have a hundred people listening to your episodes, you would be thrilled if you spoke publicly and a hundred people showed up. If you tried oh, yeah. to cram a hundred people in your garage, they wouldn't even fit. hundred people is a lot of people be happy with that. And I, I hear other people say, Oh, you've, you've got to grow your show. If you don't build your audience, it's not worth it. And I just don't agree. Just do, do for, if you've got a hundred people listening that that's a hundred. I mean, that is really special. Just keep showing up, keep making something special for them. 
because you don't know what comes next. If I had not done that for the park leader show, Lee Cockrell wouldn't have seen me as an expert in podcasting and someone he would trust to host his show. But even though no, not many people listened in the beginning of the park leader show, I kept showing up every week, putting out a new show, every episode getting better. And then when the opportunity came, I was really good and I was able to handle it. So that, that I think that is always a challenge is when you're not getting results you want to still say, okay, is this worth it? And if yes, to stick with it. And that that's not just podcasting and numbers and downloads and all of that too. That's the work you're doing. Like in what I'm doing now, nine months from now, is it going to be worth it? And, and if so, show up every day, put in the work, do what you're supposed to do. And eventually it'll pay off because you, you don't know what base you're building for the opportunity that's going to come that you don't realize is going to show up. Absolutely. Consistency and self-discipline is key. It's really, really easy, especially when you're a podcaster to just, you know, kind of step back and be like, oh, you know what? Like I'll, I'll record it tomorrow or something. And then tomorrow yeah. comes and now oh, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Consistency and self-discipline is huge in this industry. And I completely agree with you. That's something that a lot of people struggle with no matter how long they've been podcasting for. Yeah, that's right. And if I'm sure this is true for you, Basha, if you, well, I'm a good example. We, we made an appointment to meet today at a certain time and you showed up, you, you didn't even consider not showing up, but often many of us, if, if we know we have to record our own episode or we have to write an article or do something for ourselves, we'll convince ourselves why we don't have to show up, mm -hmm. but you need to hold that appointment like you would if it was me and Basha getting together. Yeah. And that goes for business. That goes for podcasting. That goes for everything. Show that's up for right. yourself the same way that you show up for other people. Yep. That's right. All right, Jody, I've got one last question for you before we hop off. What do you love the most about podcasting? This right here, meeting new people. Bosch and I had never met until this episode. And this is how I've met people I've kept in touch with this, this whole time is it's just meeting new people. And I've, I've got one closing story for you that this is probably the biggest honor a former park ranger could get. And it came all through podcasting. So if th th this should inspire you to just show up, I started the park leader show in 2014 in 2019 I was invited to speak at the state park directors conference. So all 50 state park directors in the United States get together once a year to talk about issues relevant to them in parks and what's coming up. And when it was in Arkansas, they looked for, they invited me to come and speak to them. And I don't know what, what bigger, like opening day speakers were governor of Arkansas, executive vice president of Walmart and Jody Mayberry. I mean, how, how cool is that? And it just all came from podcasting and it came from meeting people through, through this. So they, they go hand in hand. My favorite thing is the people that you meet and the opportunities that it creates by meeting those people. Absolutely. I completely agree. The connections that yes. you make are out of this world. You can't go to a networking event and form the same kind of connection that you can with somebody through a podcast. That's right. That's right.
All right, Jody, thank you so much for coming on. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to find you? Uh, the best place, just go to jodymayberry.com. You can find all my podcasts there. You can find a way to reach out to me. You can see what I'm up to. So jodymayberry.com. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.